0: Welcome, welcome to uh, Instagram Live interview number 12, I think. Um, After a brief hiatus, we are back. Um, We've just finished up our core value series, um, all of which can be found on the website as well as um, little blurbs, explanations of each core value if you want to dive more into that. Um, And we are just now that we're finished with the core values launching into a small series before advent um, it's called philo Xenia, which means um, the love of the stranger or hospitality in greek um, at redemption hill a big part of our ethos is caring for um, and serving our community through housing initiatives um, and hospitality and over the next few weeks i'm excited to talk more about Practical steps we can take towards embodying hospitality through our actions as a community. Um, So Robert introduced this series on Sunday, um, and we'll we'll be talking with him today. Um, And he, on Sunday, he compared our practices of hospitality to the behavior of people in the ancient Near East. Um, Looking at Abraham in Genesis, uh, he talked about the provision, protection, and loving kindness of God, laying out what it might look like to embody the hospitality of God in the church, rather than um, be characterized by this subtle and not so subtle hostility um, of our Western individualism. And we are going to dive into that today. So we're going to get, and I think we'll be set to go. Hey, Alyssa. Hi, how's it going?
1: Doing good. How are you doing?
0: Doing pretty well.
1: I like um, your sweater. It's pretty thank awesome.
0: Thank you. You know,
1: it is... Okay. We good? It buffered, but you're back. Great.
0: So, I realized I forgot to put my devices on Do Not Disturb, and I was getting notifications. Um, mm. All right. So... Let's just, i will just jump in. Um, as usual, I have a lot of questions, um, but I'm feeling like we're probably going to be talking about them in the next couple of weeks in the series, and I'm going to try not to jump the gun. Um, there, yeah, so there's so many important things that I want to talk about, but I want us today to try to focus the conversation um, into three main areas that I felt like seemed to be themes that um, came up. your sermon. So I want to talk about the connection between hospitality, um, and narrative, trust and identity. Um, we will start by, and some of these like overlap with each other. So we'll just see, we'll see how, where it goes. Um, so first of all, I'd love to talk about the connection, um, of hospitality and narrative. Um, when you were talking about, how first of all, Abraham in the ancient Near East welcoming in um, the stranger and providing them with food, and then even when you were mentioning, um, like back to the future, how they just had him come straight into their home, sleep in their bed, eat their food, um, you said that idea doesn't belong in our cultural narrative, we see strangers as a threat. Mm-hmm. Um, It's interesting how the narrative has changed around welcoming the stranger. Um, The idea of narrative and storytelling is so important in culture because it really defines the way that we live um, and the patterns of our behavior. Um, And I could like go off on storytelling uh, because that's what I do. But they're just important because we believe stories and we're empowered to act in a certain way based on the stories that we're surrounded with Yep. which is why representation is important. Um, so I'm just going to have several questions that I'll ask you and then we can go whatever direction you want to go. Okay. Um, so first, what, does our, what, what do stories, what stories does our current culture tell us about strangers? Um, how do you think that's changed? How does it affect our behavior? Um, have you seen that play out any certain way in your own life? And then what are some new stories we need to start telling?
1: Mm. Um, our our cultural narrative, there's, there's only a few reasons that people who are strangers start any conversation with you in our culture. And I think the primary one is that someone's trying to... To sell to us, and you and I, we we work at a design and marketing firm together. So, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. part of me is like, yes, all sales um, has created this wall between people, and mm-hmm. we are so because we, we're a sales culture. We're a culture that's constantly trying to persuade others to take some economic action that will benefit us, and okay. so a lot of people are just always at guard, saying, okay, what what do you want from me? That's that's the immediate feeling that we have from most strangers is um, I, I live in an older neighborhood and so I have people who come to my door probably three or four days a week to sell me something in person. They knock on my door, wake up my kids at nap time. They, When I had a dog, my dog would bark like crazy when they came to the door. So I, we've all learned to despise solicitation and everybody has their little do not solicit things on their on the houses. So that's like the first narrative of of engagement with strangers is that they want something from me. And then the second is that there's somebody coming along who wants to um, do something that is um, destructive, whether that is abusing or um, manipulating me into giving them something. Uh, Especially like older folks in our world are constantly taken advantage of because they come from a world where it makes sense to engage with strangers. Mm
0: -hmm. And so
1: they're the last ones who get all of the nigerian email scams and um they're the people who are wowed by the door to door salesperson who's selling them something that they don't need or something that's overpriced because anytime somebody has the time to come sell you something in person it means that there's a high margin and so it's it's almost always an overpriced thing that they're selling so like i think sales culture and then manipulation and abusive culture um like like almost almost all uh, narratives around people people who are grifters or um, or confidence men they they all start with this friendly introduction to a stranger and that's also a part of like a big part of our our cultural narrative and our stories is that when the stranger is introduced into a story you're immediately suspicious of them you assume that that stranger and, and they're almost always um, unknown they're dark characters you do not get access into their past and they're meant to be either a red herring to take you off of the narrative of who is the true mm-hmm. bad guy or they are the bad guy and the narrative is be afraid of strangers yeah. and you have, you have we have a constant narrative of be afraid of strangers and now we have a new set of narratives around be scared of those closest to you mm-hmm. um, And and if you look at primarily around, like, sexual abuse and physical abuse. Almost all of that happens from people close to us. Mm In the 70s and 80s, there was this, um, there was a lot of narrative around strangers grabbing your kids and taking them and doing bad things to them or murdering them or whatever. And those serial killer narratives were very strong. And those have all gone away. And now the narratives that are there are, um, and, and this is true, almost all violence happens in intimate relationships. It is a vast majority because people don't do violence to people that they don't care about or care about what happens to them. So I think narratives is an important piece of that. And we have to question those narratives and stories because we internalize the narratives and stories as the reality in the world around us. And we have to challenge them and say, okay, what are they trying to tell me? And is this a, is this a trope that's true in the world or is it not true in the world? And then how do we subvert those by creating um, a a new culture of engagement with those that are not close to us? Because even like I would say right now, I love warm introductions. I want, I want to know how I'm connected with somebody. I want them to give me a text message with both of us on it, explaining who we are. And then that person can easily be trusted because they've been, they've been vetted by somebody who's close to me that's the way that we do almost all of our relationships but how can we create the soft edges where people can and do join in and connect with us from the outside it's still it's still narratively very difficult in our culture because of those reasons Mm
0: -hmm. so what would you say if we are going to be in a time where we're trying to create soft edges is there like how can we how can we play that out how can we tell new stories about hospitality and having soft edges in our relationships
1: yeah they have they had the same problem in the ancient world this is not a new problem outsiders were a threat and mm-hmm. people who came over the ne- the next hill over and showed up and you didn't have any connection with them yeah. they had the they had the same likelihood of being somebody who is going to hurt you Use you or manipulate you, and you still had those same responsibilities. But you also had this set of obligations in the ancient world, where if you did not provide water and shelter, and they were just travelers, sojourners along the road, then you were responsible because they because they petitioned you. You were responsible before God and your community to be hospitable. Because if they died on your land because you didn't provide for them, you're responsible for them. Mm-hmm. And I think that we've we've we have no sense of responsibility towards strangers. Yeah. And I think that's the starting point is to look around the world and when God brings people along, when people show up in our lives out of nowhere, we have to ask some questions. We've got to get curious about why did God bring this person along? What do they have that God wants to give to me through them? And what do I have that I'm responsible to give them? And I, like that requires us to not just engage with them as a uh, as a fixture in the world around us, but we have to actually t- talk to them and look them in the eye and engage them and listen to their story. And I think like, if, if you look at like dealing with homelessness or those who are poor in our city, they're pretty hidden. But when you do engage with them, they stand on a corner and ask for money because it's the most likely way that you're going to engage with them without having to hear the story. Sometimes it's the, the poor who don't want to tell their story because a lot of times it's filled with shame and brokenness in their lives, but we don't want to hear their story because we don't also want to be responsible for helping them more than just handing that $20 at the window. Mm -hmm. And so the best of the homeless ministries and advocates say, the best thing you can do is enter in and and become friends with somebody who's on the side of the road and ask them about their lives and let them know about yours. Mm -hmm. And then see if there's some overlap where you can, be of help to them and and even give them the dignity of serving or of working alongside you and that's that's the sort of thing that we're talking about is we have to start with conversation and, and curiosity and asking questions and telling stories because that's what will that's what will increase the faith quotient and the relational quotient so that we can trust one another for providing the things that we need mm-hmm. does that does that make sense
0: yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense um so i think a big part of like pushback um that goes with narrative is that we have this uh com- like um uh, what's the word obsession obsession is not quite the right word but with safety and being oh, yeah. um maybe obsession is the word um and so i think there's uh the, the second thing um that hospitality needs i think is trust um mm-hmm. And so there's a somehow we have to get past that, like it seems like we have to get past that like obsession with safety and really think about what it looks like to actually trust God. Um, And you had mentioned that before Abraham and his family were asked to be hospitable, they were taken care of by God. And so can you just, can you talk a little bit about how um, trust and hospitality are connected um, and what we need to do before we can be
1: hospitable? Well, this is, this is where the way of Jesus goes off the rails and you got to get real serious about, do I actually want this thing? Because when we're talking about faith and we're talking about safety, um, safety is a particularly physical human like autonomic biological response mm-hmm. it's what our lizard brain does and it it shuts down everything to pursue safety wow. because safety is tantamount to existence like we we exist through safety mm-hmm. and almost every choice we make is about like feeling safe all the addictions we have are really built around feeling safe and driving connection through pleasure or through um belonging like all all those things are so connected yeah so so like safety is a real need and what we've done is we've taken the need for just basic physical safety like not dying and we've turned into a this everything in the world is not just about the safety from dying but it's the safety from feeling bad the safety from being betrayed the safety from um any amount of hunger or discomfort like we we have we have taken it and we we have a deeply overdeveloped sense of our need for safety Mm -hmm. and that's why we're not hospitable and that's why we don't take risks to invite people in because the likelihood that our physical safety is at risk is very 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 low in our world we live in the safest time that and in the safest place that has ever existed Mm -hmm. and and if you look at it uh there's like 30 some thousand gun deaths a year in our culture. And almost all of those are done by intimate partners and family members. And so like when we're looking outside at the possibility of death Mm -hmm. uh, and we look at strangers as a threat to our physical safety, it's very, very low, very, 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 very very low in our culture. And so we need to say, okay, the numbers say that I'm, I'm more likely to get killed by my wife or my or my kids or my toddler with my own gun than I am by a stranger who's going to walk into my house. I got to have to deal with the reality of that. And then I have to go, even if I do take on risk, which is the nature of every interaction is me risking uh, my own safety, my own security, my own place in a relationship. When I enter into a relationship, I'm saying I'm going to risk that because you actually can't offer trust to somebody who's already earned it. You can only offer trust to somebody and then have them fulfill your expectation. And so the work of hospitality is to recognize just like God did that he has to offer a place before we can accept it. And he has to offer a place before we can even betray him. That's the work of hospitality is to say, I'm going to put myself out there and allow somebody to betray me. And that's the work that's, that's God's um, posture towards us is to, Uh, create a place for us to belong in his family and then for us to betray him and then he offers us a place in his family again through his own like he takes on the cost of our betrayal so that we can belong again that's Mm -hmm. the call of the follower of jesus is to say i'm going to take on the risk of other people hurting me so that i can offer most everyone without much risk the things that god's entrusted to me so so like from a risk standpoint we have to we have to really remove our fear and our risk. And I grew up in a family where this was this was modeled to me. Um I think I've told this story before, but when I was like seven or eight, my folks, my dad worked in a prison ministry, and a guy was getting out of prison and didn't have any family to go to. And so he moved into our house um, with six kids or whatever, and maybe even seven kids at that point. And he moves into our house lives with us for four months, relapses back into drugs, steals my parents' credit cards and my, and some stuff from the house. Wow. And like watching that, like they knew the risk. They were not, they they knew that there was a risk that this person could be violent and or could make terrible decisions that had deep cost to us. Mm-hmm. And they chose it anyways. And then yeah. when he did that, they confronted him and he had broken his parole. Violation, And he had to go back to prison. And what happened was they stayed in touch while he was in prison. And when he came out, he came to our house for dinner. Hmm. And that's the kind of radical hospitality that the kingdom looks like. And now Brian has become this, this person who's a part of our society and he has a family and he uh, ministers other people in prison like that. That's what happens when the hospitality of the stranger overcomes that faith fear gap is that yeah. people's lives are transformed. And, you know, my, my parents were protected. Their credit cards were fine. They lost some stuff. But what happened was they gave up their right to safety and someone else's life was transformed by their loving kindness. That's, that's the risk and that's also the reward.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's making me, that makes me think of uh, this story in Hosea, with Hosea and Gomer, um, you know, where he, he takes her and then she goes back into Prostitution, and then he goes back and gets her again, um,
1: over and over and over again.
0: Over again, and how we can do that because that's how what God has done for us.
1: Yeah, can you imagine that conversation between God and Hosea? He's like, "What <laughs> you want? You, you want me to do what? with with who?" And you know, yeah. you know, like you know, it was I, I just can't imagine. But it was this is the way of Jesus is to recognize that. Everyone in the world is a risk to us. And so mm-hmm. we can take risks because God took a risk on us. And here's the thing ultimately we are secure. The king of all creations can come back and set all things right. He's going to bring justice and he's going to bring healing and he's going to bring the dead back to life. And so I don't need to protect my life. I can take small risks at the risk of my body and my family for the sake of the gospel because this isn't it. This isn't the end of the story.
0: Yeah. We're not the ones who are going to make it happen.
1: Yeah.
0: We are participants, but not the ultimate.
1: We're not the guarantor. We can't guarantee safety. And anybody who does is selling you something. Mm -hmm. And anybody who's trying to make you afraid of your safety is selling you a lie. And that's all of our politics is people trying to make us feel unsafe so that they can sell us a lie. And we got to fight that.
0: Right. Yeah, that's, it's so good. Um, so you said, um, moving on to identity, um, we're right, right there in it. Um, you said this was a key part of learning who God is and who they, Abraham and his followers, who they were to be as a people. Um, you They were meant to become the kings of hospitality. Um, and I just there's so much in there about who who they are meant to be and I I feel like as I've done these interviews this past couple months um it seems like everything that we're talking about always has to do so much with our identity um and our identity as beloved Mm -hmm. um and how that affects everything else after that um and so how would you Along those lines, how would you say that knowing who we are in God as beloved, how does that change our interactions? And we're, we are already talking about that a little bit, but just to focus in on that idea that we are beloved, how does that yeah. change?
1: Well, I think I, identity and the way that we construct our identity through narrative is really important, and when when we 're talking about hospitality and our identity, yeah, what I really want to get down to is that Israel thought of themselves as um, as the recipients of god 's hospitality, and they thought of themselves as the people who deserved god 's hospitality, mm-hmm. and that narrative being the The chosen ones, the ones who had had been given the special place in God's kingdom, created what happened. And what happened was they they whined a lot because they thought that God wasn't being fair to them and wasn't fulfilling his promise to them. Which was a lie because they didn't understand their identity as the beloved of God who will be the kings of hospitality giving away the the beloved identity to the world they didn't see it as a flow through yeah. and so identity is so vital and mm. if we if we're beloved because because we're exceptional then it then that this was the jew uh, the jewish idea was that they were beloved because they were exceptional because abraham had so much faith that god had to give him this special place and if we're if we're beloved because we're exceptional our exceptionalness can be withdrawn <laughs> And Mm -hmm. and our belovedness can be withdrawn as long when we don't perform. And what happened was Israel didn't perform. And because they had created this narrative about God, God has to give us what we want because we're exceptional. As soon as they weren't exceptional, God had to remove his blessings so that they could see that they were still his beloved, even when they weren't performing. And they Mm -hmm. could see his protection and provision and his, his, His loving kindness to them, even when they were not fundamentally not providing hospitality and not loving the sojourner that lived among them, the widows and the orphans that God had entrusted to them. And so what we really need to do is grab hold of this. We are the beloved children of the one true God, the one who created a space in his home for us. And so we're a part of his family. And our identity is we are the kings of hospitality, just like our father. And we have open doors and open arms and we take risks and we take the cost of other people's betrayal because I have an infinite amount of safety, care and love for my eternal father. So I don't need to worry that my safety and my place in the world is threatened by you. That's why identity matters so much here is that the narrative we tell ourselves about scarcity and generosity are so tied to do I have a beloved father who is going to provide for all my needs? And once that's settled, I can do anything. I don't have to worry about not having enough in the future because my father's going to provide for me.
0: Yeah. Ooh, that's good. I've never thought about that, the way that, um, like, removing the exceptional mindset so that way you God could show them that they were beloved without that. That's really good. I've never... I don't well, think I've ever heard of that.
1: God does that to us too, right? Like he, he takes away our ability to perform or he takes yeah. away like our our identities that we've shaped through performance mm-hmm. so that he so that then he can wrap his arms around us and say, see it wasn't that. Yeah. I love you. I love who you are.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, all right. Let's do one more question before we go. So I It's an interesting time to be talking about hospitality. Um, You mentioned at the very end, um, I think you actually said it in your prayer, um, but you said we have been working hard to forget um, God's coming to be with us ever since God came to be with us. So that way we can be on our own, doing our own thing, not obligated. To other people, Um, and that's that's a really long time to be unformed, Um, Mm -hmm. especially in a country and also a city that has a pretty long history of being hostile towards the people on the margins, Um, especially in regards to race, Um, in our context so what would you say as we're just like moving into especially moving into the holiday season um what would you say is a good place to start reversing that that narrative of like i'm on my own i don't need it like what's one thing that we can do that's a good starting place practically
1: I think there's two directions and you need to go both directions. Who um, is the, the The first direction we need to go is to, is to recognize the hospitality that God offers to us and that people offer to us and put ourselves in a place of need. We've been talking mm-hmm. a lot about like Jesus was the neediest person who ever existed. You know, he, he literally never showed up to a place with resources to give away. And yet he was people were so drawn to him because he had he had made himself so vulnerable, and a lot of followers of Jesus today want to be so powerful and so rich that they don 't need anybody
0: mm-hmm. and that 's not
1: the way of Jesus. the way of Jesus is the way of humility and the way of neediness and the way of um, yeah. vulnerability and so 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 what does that look like in my life? It looks like um, putting myself out there and so I'm, I'm thinking with my neighbors uh, telling them that I need their help with something like something as simple as um, borrowing tools or um, having an event and need somebody to help me move stuff in my yard like the little things where I just I engage by by giving away my need that's mm-hmm. an important an important thing yeah Um, and then the other side is we need to go see other people's needs in, in this most stark form because our world hides need everywhere you go. People hide need, our poverty is completely hidden. And so, um, go volunteer at a food bank or a food pantry during the week or on a weekend, uh, go, go down and, Hang out at Rhodes Skate Park and Corpus Christi and see the devastation of disconnection, because almost all of them have mental illness and drug addiction that are intimately in- intertwined in alienating them from the people that they need in their life. Yeah, and so until you can go like sit with them in their pain and their poverty and 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 feel the depth of their need, you're not going to be moved. And so I, I like, that's why, you know, taking trips to places that are filled with deep, deep poverty engages us and reminds us, um, just a second bit. Uh, but like one way uh, there's a 17 year old kid who doesn't have a home. He was a refugee from, uh, Afghanistan and his family hasn't come yet. And his first host family that was Afghan family was abusive towards him and he's trying to find a place to be. And like, just hearing that story, should go. Oh my gosh! What if I? What if I was that seventeen-year-old kid yeah. in a foreign country, don't know the language, and like it, it should just move you. And like that, you just have to get, got to get close to it. And you got to feel it. And um, we we wow. talk about like close up, like being, um, being arm in arm with people who are are in need is the way that we're going to fill fill it because it's not going to happen through organization it have, has to happen through relationship so that's the two directions i go malia needs me to go so i gotta jump off you're all good you're
0: all good yeah. thanks
1: yeah thanks i'm looking forward to jesse's talk this weekend
0: me too it'll be great um right. for you can go ahead and go robert i have one thing i'm gonna a quick right. announcement <laughs> bye bye thank you um, thanks, everybody, for joining. Um, I just wanted to share, um, Andrew, who is our new associate slash youth pastor, um, if you are feeling like you want to um, join in some of this work of hospitality, um, he is taking the youth next Wednesday um, down to Road Skate Park, actually, and they're going to be handling, handing out um, chili and hot cocoa and care bags. Um, And anyone's welcome to join them. So that's going to be from 6 to 7 next Wednesday. Um, And that's a great way to jump in and start doing some of this stuff that we're talking about. Um, Outside of that, we will see you all again next week. We're going to be talking with Jesse about um, hospitality and redemption. Um, And I think that's going to be a great talk as well. So thanks again, everybody, for listening. Have a great rest of your week. Thanks again for listening. Make sure to subscribe to get the weekly episodes in your podcast feed. You can find out more on how to get connected with Redemption Hill at redemptionboise.org connection, where you can fill out the connect card and start your journey today. For regular encouragement throughout the week, follow us on Instagram at redemptionboise. We are so glad you're here and are excited to accompany you in your story with God. We hope to see you soon.